It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed. Let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Each of you are treasured. You're valued. You have purpose. Today's drive for excellence. Take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. You were made for this moment. And thank you to this team I get to work with. That's producer Steve, Zach, Patty, Keith, Charlie, Jen, all the people here at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday, producer Steve. Well, thank you. Uh, I got... uh it's kind of an unusual morning so far with uh, all the players in different places. <laughs> Should we actually explain what's going on here? <laughs> I, um, I'm actually up in northwest Wyoming on this great little rig that I have. And, um, and Hal Van Herkey, one of our great sponsors, uh, great op- entrepreneur, owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool, is in studio. And then his colleague, William Travis, is in location. And Steve, you're there. And we're going to see if we can make sure all these parts connect today. It's going to be an interesting day, Producer Steve. Maybe we should have started with a moment of prayer. (laughs) Maybe so. Hey, Hal Van Herkey, owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool, it is great to have you on the show. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. I feel like I'm the host today. I'm the only one here. (laughs) Well... I think that you are. And you are truly, an, first of all, let's talk a little bit about Castlegate Knife and Tool. It's a family-owned business, and it's located right here in Sedalia, Colorado. And I actually uh, have a gift that um, I gave to my son-in-law when I arrived last night. And it's a, a, a knife, and I don't know exactly what it is, but he pulled it out, and he's like, oh, my gosh, thank you. And so it is, I, sh- I should be able to describe it, but it's it's like a, I don't know, it's it's it's, it's great. He's a hunter, and so it'll be great for uh, hunting. And so whether or not you're a chef or a, a collector or a sportsman like my son-in-law, Castlegate Knife and Tools is the place for you. So he's, he, I mean, he was absolutely thrilled, Hal. Yeah, that's great to hear. Um, yeah, you can come into our store or you can call us, go under our website. We can help you find, uh, if you, if you have, have somebody you want to get a gift for and you think they might like a knife, we can definitely help you find. Tell us a little bit about who you want to give the gift to and we can help you find the right knife for them for sure. So that's great to hear. Well, his eyes lit up. So job well done. And that website, everything's on there as well, uh, Helen. That's castlegate.com, castlegate.com. So let's uh, talk a little bit. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your other business. Uh, and this is Knightsbridge Research. And uh, explain that a little bit, Hal. Yeah, it's one that we haven't talked about on this show much. Um, it's uh, what we call, it's a research firm. It's really a what we call a private intelligence contractor. What we do is we monitor um, conflict zones uh, domestically as well as all around the globe. I mean, so for today, obviously, we're doing a lot in the Russia-Ukraine conflict with the Russian invasion. But we also monitor uh, the Kashmir Gap region um, and the parties there, uh, the Middle East, particularly Israel and Iran, and uh, then the ongoing uh, political and hopefully not dynamic conflict between Taiwan and China. So... We do this, and then we are sponsored by a number of, uh, in this case, that project is sponsored by a number of foreign policy think tanks and, D- and nonprofits in Washington, D.C. 
They take our intelligence analysis and the gathering, which we use open source intelligence and our network of uh, human intelligence collectors and agents around the globe to uh, be on the ground and find out what's really going on and then report that back into them. And they use that to uh, inform their uh, policy advice and then to try to inform public uh, policy, U.S. government policy and uh, public opinion. And uh, you were in military intelligence, correct? Yes, I was uh, initially in U.S. Army Special Forces in the Special Operations community, and then I went into the intelligence community for several years. Okay, so so this is pretty pretty interesting. I, I and we're going to talk with you and your colleague William Travis more about that in segments uh, two, three, and four. But uh, it's just remarkable about what's happening. So I thought because Russia is in the news that our quote for today, I would go to Russian author Leo Tolstoy, who wrote um, War and Peace and Anna Karina. And he was born in 1828, he died in 1910, and he won the Nobel Peace Prize several times. But I thought this was super interesting. This was his quote. A man is like a fraction whose numerator is what he is and whose denominator is what he thinks of himself. The larger the denominator, the smaller the fraction. So think about that today, Producer Steve. Whoa. (laughs) Uh, so many people come to mind, uh, Mr. Trudeau, Mr. Obama. <laughs> Their denominator was quite large. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite large, I know, and, and Biden as well. I, it's just remarkable what's, what's happening there. But uh, also, let's get to our bill of the day. And this is Senate Bill 22116. And how Patty chose this, our researcher Patty chose this particular bill of the day because you're you're an entrepreneur, a small business owner. Uh, the sponsors are Senators Chris Holbert, Republican, and Brittany Pedersen, Democrat, and Representatives Kevin Van Winkle, Republican, and Shannon Bird, Democrat. Tell you what, that is a that is actually bipartisan when you have all those names on there. And it's concerning the ability of an individual to obtain an occupational credential through the Occupational Credential Portability Program. It says current law authorizes a regulator or of a profession or occupation to approve an application for licensure, certification, registration, or enrollment by endorsement, reciprocity, or transfer through the Occupational Credential Portability Program. The bill amends the program by removing the requirement that an applicant seeking a credential through the program must prove the applicant's substantially equivalent experience or credentials. It adds a military occupational specialty to the types of occupational credentials, and it requires an applicant to have held a license, certification, registration, enrollment, or occupational specialty in another state for at least a year. So this seems like this is a really good idea. Um, it's it, it, it's all in that kind of legislature language, but it seems like a good idea. What's your thoughts on that, uh, Hal? Yeah, I've heard a little bit about this bill um, uh, before it was introduced. I mean, first of all, Kevin Van Winkle is my representative, and so... If he's sponsoring it, that gives me a lot of confidence right off the bat. I've met with him several times, and he seems okay. to be right on board with, um, you know, with a level head on his shoulders and small, you know, pretty in tune with the needs of small business. Um, but I, it just sounds to me like they're saying if, you, um, if you're coming into the state for the first time, you, you used to be licensed to be a, uh, a beautician or hairstylist in another state, or you were licensed as a general contractor or you know, whatever, um, to, you know, security guard or whatever in another state, 
that it almost sounds like it's a shall issue um, as long as you have the right credentials and you were in, involved for at least a year. And that also, which sounds awesome, it also translates to qualifying military occupational specialists, um, which I think is something that most states should be doing a long time ago. And that would definitely have an immediate impact on some of the small, the entry-level positions in the medical profession uh, where they could come in and participate as techs and orderlies and, and things like that on their way to getting civilian certification and help that crunch. So it seems like a great way to stimulate small business, to get small business on the ground and running faster in Colorado with less bureaucracy, and then to uh, help uh, alleviate some of the staffing shortages that we have in some key areas. So sounds pretty good to me. And then and then they still have to be under the guise, the guidelines of the uh, regulators. And uh, if there's uh, any problems with their performance of their licensed profession and their performance or issues with their customers, they'll still be regulated by the board and have to be reviewed to see if they should maintain their license. So it seems like a win-win for everybody. It seems like a step in the right direction. I've realized that all this licensing, Hal, as actually, you know, it's expensive. And quite frankly, I'm not sure that uh, the regulators show up that often to make sure the jobs are done. I, I'm still a free market girl. I think the free market can actually handle a lot of that. But this is, a, as you say, this is a step in the right direction. It is uh, cutting some of the red tape. It's making it easier for Coloradans to enter the workforce. And uh, I think you've really nailed that. We're going to go to break here in just a moment. Hal Van Herkey is in studio. And uh, we're going to be talking about one of his other businesses other than Castlegate Knife and Tool. And that is Knightsbridge Research. And uh, they've got uh, intelligence gathering throughout the world. And, of course, we want to talk about what's going on in Russia. But the show comes to you because I have so many great partners. And on the line with me is Steve Cruz. He is one of the co-owners of Three Points Financial. It is a fee-only uh, financial planning firm. They have three pillars. What are those three points, uh, Steve Cruz, of Three Points Financial? Yeah, it's uh, taxes, retirement and financial planning, and then investments. And so we really look at it uh, kind of the big picture uh, for, all, for all of our clients. Well, and you're also an accountant. So at Three Points Financial, if your clients so choose, you can prepare taxes for them as well, correct? Yes, we do. And we, we, we offer that for our, our planning clients. Um, and, and they really, I think all of our clients really appreciate being, go, being able to go to one spot and, and know that uh, the planning is getting done and all the tax planning that we do, it's actually going to make it into the tax return. There's no, you know, communication hiccups between, you know, a separate tax preparer and a financial advisor. Well, I think it's brilliant. Uh, But I wanted to ask you, Steve Cruz, with Three Points Financial, about inflation. I cannot believe it. I think the government numbers that they report are not accurate. I think inflation is much higher than what they're reporting. But what could be some strategies to combat inflation? Yeah, yeah. Inflation is, is it's a hot topic, and I know you know. Last week you touched on it, um, you know, a number of times. And uh, so, what I want to talk about a few strategies that you know it's going to hit everybody. It's going to impact us. It does impact us. But maybe some some strategies that can kind of help with that. And and just a little disclosure. So um, this is going to be educational in nature, and I encourage your listeners to you know do their own research or you know get some professional advice um, before you know doing any of these things uh, but the first uh, the first thing is on mortgages 
so if people don't have a fixed rate long-term mortgage, I would encourage them to look into that. And um, I would you know, think about not accelerating um, mortgage payments or paying it down faster than you have to during times of high inflation. And the reason for that is there's typically, you know, people typically eventually get some cost of living increases, although not usually up to the amount of inflation. But what happens then is you're, you're getting more dollars and you have, but your, your mortgage is fixed and so your payments are fixed and so you're able to pay those um, with more dollars. Um, Mm-hmm. From, from okay. So, so that's one thing. And on the fixed income side, fixed income investment side, uh, you know, we've talked. I know Mary has mentioned Series I bonds, uh, which are inflation adjusted bonds, and uh, those right now are paying over seven percent through uh, if you purchase them before April. Uh, so that's on the fixed income side. There's also inflation protected uh, treasuries that people can look into, and those adjust the principal based on inflation. And then um, with the expectation that interest rates could be rising um, on, on fixed income investments, I would encourage people to maybe consider you know, having shorter terms on the fixed income side of the portfolio. And then the, the final strategy long term is stocks and real estate are the two asset classes that have typically um, kept up with inflation or done better than inflation over the long term. So I you know, encourage people to look at the portfolios and, and see how they're structured and consider, again, do your own research, get some professional advice, but consider uh, you know, including some stocks and real estate exposure there. Um, a lot of times we hear about commodities, gold, things like that, and those do have some short-term correlation, um, but uh, long-term, they typically don't do better than inflation. So those are some things uh, for your listeners to consider when it comes to trying to you know, navigate inflation with you know, the assets that they have. Boy, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for that. And how can people reach you, Steve Cruz? Yeah, the best way would just be to go to our website. It's uh, threepointsfinancial.com. And there, there's a contact us section, and they can schedule a call with us, and we can go from there. Fantastic. That's Steve Cruz with Three Points Financial. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Jim. And we'll be right back with Hal Van Herkey. Three Points Financial is a fiduciary financial planning company focused on helping individuals and families. Mary Alpers and Steve Cruz at Three Points Financial specialize in investment strategies, tax planning and preparation, and retirement planning with no product sales or commissions. Tax laws have changed and will continue to change. Inflation is real. Three Points Financial helps you maneuver through these changes to achieve your financial success. For clarity and a solid, relevant financial and investment plan, while working with a company that puts your interests at the forefront, schedule a no-obligation initial consultation at threepointsfinancial.com. That's threepointsfinancial.com. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. 
World War II veteran, Bronze Star recipient Gilbert Herrera fought at the Battle of the Bulge and Operation Varsity. On the next America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, 97-year-old Gilbert J. Herrera tells stories of those battles. Additionally, you have a unique opportunity to honor and meet Gilbert Tuesday, March 1st, 10 a.m. at Redemption Hills Church, 7462 South Everett Street in Littleton. Bring your kids or your grandchildren. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And tune into the show Sunday, 3 to 4 p.m. right here on KLZ 560 and KLZ 100.7 FM. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I'm Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. And thank you to each and every one of you who support us. We are an independent voice. We search for truth and clarity by looking at these issues through the lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. And during the break, you just heard the spot for our America's Veterans War, uh, Veterans Story show that's going to be this Sunday at 3 p.m. And Gilbert Herrera, I would so recommend for all of you to join me at 10 o'clock at Redemption Church on Tuesday morning to honor him. He's 97 years old, and he's uh, just fascinating stories. And uh, this, that show and this show comes to you because I have great sponsors. And one of those sponsors is Hooters Restaurants. They have five locations. That is Loveland, Aurora, Westminster, Lone Tree, and Colorado Springs. And Monday through Friday, they have lunch specials and they have happy hour specials. And it is a great place to get together with friends. Uh, I do on their uh, lunch specials. I love their fish and chips. And then also Hal Van Herky and his wife, Linnea, are true entrepreneurs. They own Castlegate Knife and Tool. And they also sponsor both of the shows. And it's because of of sponsors like them that uh, we're on the air. And I so appreciate them. And Hal Van Herky is in studio. Hal, we're going to be talking about one of your other businesses, and that is Knights Bridge Research. And quickly explain that again to our listeners. Yeah, yeah very quickly. Uh, we're, we're a research firm, but um, we fall into the category of what's called a professional or private intelligence contractor. Um, our job is to go out and uh, track conflict zones, both domestically in terms of domestic political conflict, as well as a uh, a globally uh, conflict zone, such as what's going on, obviously, in Ukraine right now. But we also track uh, uh, the Middle East in terms of the dynamic between Israel and Iran. We track the Kashmir gap in the multiple countries that lay claim to that, and as well as keep a close eye on China-Taiwan relations and the tensions there. We provide that information to uh, a number of Washington, D.C. think tanks and foundations that then use that to inform their their uh, policy uh, making and try to influence government policy and public opinion. Okay, and you were in special forces in the military and and um, cor- correct with uh, military intelligence. Is that right? Yeah, I was yes. in special forces, um, Army special forces. Then I switched over into uh, a, a group that uh, was intelligence gathering for the special special operations community. Yep. Okay, so and then on the line with us is the. Uh, Chief Information Officer with Knightsbridge Research, and that is William Travis. William, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm surprised what is happening in Ukraine. And first, I wanted to jump off here and talk about Biden. This is about... This is about power. This is and the power that powers our lives, the energy, uh, and it's just remarkable. Biden, one of the first things he did when he got into office, was shut down the Keystone XL pipeline here in the United States. 
but yet he had given given his okay for the um, North Nord Stream uh, pipeline over in Europe, and and Europe needs Russian oil. Now now we're at a, a spot where oil is um, what a hundred dollars a barrel, and so then Biden comes out yesterday and and wants to talk tough guy. And he said, American oil and gas companies should not, should not exploit this moment to hike their prices to raise profits. U.S. President Joe Biden said, this is a, a televised speech and reported by the Epic Times. He said that uh, we're going to uh, put sanctions on Russia. He says, in our sanctions package, we specifically designed it to allow energy payments to continue. We're closely monitoring energy supplies for any disruption. We've been coordinating with major oil producing and oil consuming countries toward our common interest to secure global energy supplies. Hal Van Herkey, what's your thoughts about that? Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, I think what it points out more than anything else is that the Biden administration are are ideologues in the purest sense. Um, if anything, they're probably looking at this as a positive because if they can get, if they can raise gas prices through the roof, um, it'll stimulate the adoption of alternative energy faster. Versus looking at how those energy prices impact everyday Americans right now, um, they're trying to continue to push in their their uh, their alternative energy anti-oil and gas agenda as well as um, you know worrying about climate change John Kerry came out earlier this week saying the thing that he was worried the most about with Ukraine was the amount of emissions it was going to generate so you can kind of energy independent and fuel at the gas pump was affordable when I hear what the uh, electric bills are that people are or heating bills that people are getting for their homes and that was before this whole Ukraine thing. Uh, we saw tremendous inflation at people, but it looks like Biden doesn't really care. These are terrible policies. But William Travis, let's jump over here to you. I, I'm, I can't believe that I'm hearing these reports of uh, actually, uh, I mean, engaging uh, people right in the streets in uh, Ukraine. I, I can't believe that this is happening with the, the Russian military forces. Yes, it's uh, it's certainly happening. It's certainly something that uh, has been an objective of uh, Vladimir Putin for quite some time. Uh, and he did a very good job of bluffing right up until the moment he went in, or uh, up until a couple weeks before he went in. But yes, this is a, this is a an attempted uh, reconstitution of at least pieces of the old uh, Soviet Union that he so admires. Well, and uh, what about the Ukrainian president saying that he's going to stay there? And on um, the, the evening shows last night, we said that uh, Russian forces were going to go door to door to find him. Uh, what's your thoughts on that, William? Well, I don't think the Russians have nearly the uh, nearly enough forces in and around the capital to actually go door to door. Uh, the Russians have a, approximately 200,000 troops in total around Ukraine. They're, they're pretty uh, well dispersed all around uh, north and east and uh, southern, you know, Crimea area uh, of Ukraine. But as far as going door to door, you know, <laughs> that's a pretty big city, 
and it's a city that's that's going to resist and is resisting. So I don't necessarily believe that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, that's more of a uh, propaganda piece than anything else, I think, coming from Russians. Okay, and what are you hearing from uh, your sources, Hal Van Herky, about what's happening right now in Ukraine? Yeah, and I might ask William to jump in here, too, because we've both been checking it um, all morning, and uh, William was checking it most of through the night. But, you know, I, you know, and candidly, you know, you and, you and the three of us had a conversation earlier in the week, and uh, we laid out a range of alternatives ranging from the uh, hostilities may have just begun by the time we, we talked on Friday, or worst case, they would be um, have invaded but have not taken over major cities yet, and that's uh, exactly where we find ourselves at. You know, at this point, at least an advanced column of the Russian ground forces, including heavy armor, et cetera, are within 20 miles of the outside of the capital city uh, in in Ukraine. Um, they've been conducting heavily heavy missile and artillery bombing of key military and communications and government structures within the city um, overnight and especially as sunrise rose earlier this morning um, gearing up for an invasion of um, of the capital city they have uh, they have sabotage agents and special operations forces of their own active in the city right now and the ukrainian forces are battling them um, there's a battle going on back and forth for for the control of the Ukrainian air, the city's airport at this point, um, with the Ukrainians most recently saying that they've retaken it. But that battle keeps go- ongoing. So maybe maybe William wants to jump in and add anything to that. Yeah, I mean the, the battle for uh, for Kiev is certainly ongoing. Uh, at the same time. Uh, there's there's a lot of ongoing battles uh, all over Ukraine right now in the south and in the east and in the north. Uh, it appears that the uh, in the three scenarios that we laid out for our clients over a month ago that uh, the Russians are going for not the worst case scenario, uh, but also not the easiest take. They're kind of shooting in the middle, and that would be uh, capture strategic elements. Uh, along the Dnipro River to secure their water supply into Crimea, build a land bridge up to Mariupol uh, into the Donbass region. Those two things they're actively pursuing right now and making good progress in. And then the last uh, objective would be to capture the two major cities, uh, Kharkiv, uh, which is in the far eastern part of the country, and then in, in impose themselves on but not necessarily to capture and hold, uh, but instead to install a new government, a puppet government, essentially. So I believe that that's the goal here uh, that Russia is going for. Not necessarily. They, they have 200,000 troops. They cannot take and hold Ukraine. What they can do, though, is they can capture strategic objectives and pull Ukraine back into their orbit with the puppet government. And we believe that that's their objective right now. That does require they go fairly deep into the capital, but it doesn't require that they hold it for too long. So we'll see how that plays out, but that's that's our basic uh, understanding right now. Okay, well, we're going to go to break. I have uh, in studio right now is Hal Van Herkey, and he is the owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool with his wife, 
uh, Linnea, and that great website is castlegate.com. He has another business, and one of his colleagues uh, that he's in business with is William Travis, and it's Knights Bridge Research. And that's what we're talking about today is the Russians and Ukraine. Um, before we go to break, though, I do want to mention another great sponsor, and that is Kirsch Insurance Group. They are specialists in the Medicare arena. Many uh, people have seen their Medicare premiums go up significantly. Kirsch Insurance Group might be able to help you save some money on that. So be sure and check out uh, that with them. Uh, there is no cost to do that, as Danielle Green says with Kirsch Insurance Group, that knowledge is power. That website is iKirsch, that's I-K-I-R-S-C-H.com, that's iKirsch.com. We'll be right back with Hal Van Herkey and William Travis. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there, and you can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. Uh, in studio is Hal Van Herkey, and he is the owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool. That website is castlegate.com. And then also on the line is William Travis. He is the Chief Information Officer with Knights Bridge Research. And what is that website? Where, where can people find that, William? Yeah, you can find us online at knightsbridge.ltd. knightsbridge.ltd. So, William, uh, I was listening to the evening shows uh, yesterday, and they were saying that this was about, with Russia going into Ukraine, that this was because that uh, NATO, the United States, was talking about bringing Ukraine into NATO. And and, uh, Putin said, I do not want to have NATO forces on my border, and that that's the reason that he is doing this, but it's really about energy, power. I mean, he holds the light switch for Europe, which I think is so dumb from a strategic standpoint. What's your comments on that, William? Sure, it certainly has, I think that both of those are valid. I think that uh, Putin does want Ukraine as a major buffer between him and NATO. Um, he's not too concerned about Estonia, <laughs> but, but uh, which is on his border and is NATO. Uh, but at the same time, he is uh, concerned about Ukraine becoming a major part of NATO. So that's part of it. But I also agree that it has a lot to do with energy as well. Uh, he absolutely controls uh, about 40% of the uh, oil and gas going into Europe. And he knows that he has a great position of strength 
over Europe. And so that, that emboldens him to carry out his other goals. I don't think he's too concerned about losing income from oil and gas because we're refusing to sanction anything related to, to oil and gas. Uh, but even if we did, you know, he just signed a huge deal with China uh, on February 4th to virtually reroute all of that oil and gas from Europe into China should the situation uh, become dire. So it's really a, it's really a tough situation, but it, it's all possible because of the oil and gas situation that uh, the West refuses to sanction. And. How and Steve, producer Steve always says, likes me to give this disclaimer that we are not opposed to renewable, quote unquote, renewable energy. Uh, We don't have honest conversations about that generally in America. That's why we do our health and hydrocarbon show. But we don't really see anybody taking military action to um, to try to get a hold of windmills or solar panels. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a good point. I think. Good point. I hadn't thought about it exactly that way. But I do feel like part of this, um, the cynical side of me feels like a part of this shift to alternative energy is um, part of the broader global, uh, globalist agenda to, uh, you know, kind of level the playing field globally, both in terms of uh, economic uh, prosperity and uh, uh, political power. And by pushing these advanced energy requirements on the West, while not not requiring the same of China and probably not requiring the same of Russia and certainly not requiring the same of third world countries, um, you know, it forces us into a, a more environmentally friendly um, agenda, but that's also much more costly and much more um, much more inflexible. So I think that's definitely part of it. Um, I just was thinking uh, this morning as I was driving in that, you know, both uh, a lot of our leaders, including Biden and uh, Trudeau and others in North America, have been really excited about using their executive powers in the last two years for anything that they felt like doing. And it would be nice if Biden had decided to use his executive powers now to um, reopen the oil and gas industry in, in the U.S., uh, stimulate uh, production offshore, stimulate production in existing wells, and open up some of the marginal uh, public lands that have already been drilled and are just have now been capped, and to potentially uh, accelerate the reconstruction of the uh, XL, uh, the XL pipeline, I think it was Keystone XL, whatever it was called, and that. Um, and actually move forward uh, with that energy policy that would address these high gas prices would put us in a much better position in terms of not having to depend on Russian oil. We could sanction that oil and might actually put us in a position to export oil and gas to Europe and eliminate some of Russia's uh, power squeeze that they have going on there. But um, we haven't heard a peep out of any of that. And it is remarkable. And just a couple of things. And I think language is so important. And we've all fallen into this. And you mentioned renewables environmentally friendly. And if we have the real conversation about it, and we've been conditioned for years and years to say that, if we have an honest conversation about it, it's like, wait a minute. Uh, Electric car batteries have to have rare earth minerals uh, in them, and a lot of them. And you, you, a lot of that is uh, in Africa, and China has um, control of much of that there. And as they mine that, <clears throat> that is not environmentally friendly to mine those rare earth minerals. And so we need to have an honest conversation about this. But we, when we, um, that language has been used here in the West, that has, 
has put in place the enviros being able to go after our oil and gas industry. William, I think that we're going to see something big happen here. Germany had moved to wind and solar. They need this oil from Russia. And so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens because they've been on their Green New Deal and it may prove to be very detrimental to the German people. What's your thoughts, William? Yes, and Germany is in by far the worst shape out of all of the European nations uh, in regards to Russian oil. They have decommissioned their uh, nuclear power plants. They've gone full bore into green energy. But what they've done first is they've first eliminated their own ability to generate power via coal or nuclear, et cetera. So their transition plan was essentially use Russian oil until we can become 100% green. But if the Russian oil supply slows or drops off, as it has been for months now, Germany's really the one that's in the crosshairs here. Uh, it, I think it's also telling that uh, uh, Angela Merkel no longer uh, in power in Germany, but Angela Merkel has refused many public requests to comment on the situation in Ukraine. She simply has no comment. And that's been, uh, I think that's telling because most of these changes happen under her. And I think that it's also telling that Germany uh, will not condemn Russia along with the other countries. They are opposing sanctions on oil and gas. They're opposing removal from SWIFT. Uh, just two or three weeks ago, they would not let the United Kingdom fly uh, munitions and armaments and things like that into Ukraine over German airspace. They had to go around really? Germany. We were tracking the flights. That's how we know. And so these, these things show you that Germany has put itself in an absolutely atrocious position uh, as far as any kind of energy uh, for, their, for their country. Where it leads, who knows? I think that what will probably happen if eventually Russian oil and gas does get shut off is we're going to be sending a lot of tankers over there, and that's going to hurt us here at home. Wow. And power is, is it's so important, Helvan Herky. And if, in fact, Russia turns the lights off on Western Europe, but now they have a market over here in China, and these terrible policies uh, under the, the guise of the Green New Deal uh, that uh, Angela Merkel and uh, many of those that have gone to Davos and they've met all, you know, all, over all these years and the policies that they're putting in place. And, and, and the other thing about it, Hal, is when we t think about Davos and all these world leaders and, and um, business leaders that go there, they go on these private jets. And if, in fact, <clears throat> global warming was really, really something they were concerned about and that we are all going to die because of global warming, they would not be going over there in their global jets, they would, uh, or their um, fancy jets, they would actually be doing a Zoom meeting instead of flying over there, right? Yeah, and I think that's part of the you know, comment I made. Uh, you mentioned that it's not necessarily um, clean energy, but what it definitely accomplishes is changing how that energy is produced. And you mentioned that a lot of it ends up getting mined and resourced in third world countries, and that's part of the uh, the Davos agenda in terms of uh, shifting the economic powers. Um, in some cases, it's humanitarian to try to help poorer countries, but there's very clearly a very strong forward-facing agenda to reduce the power of major Western uh, powers like the U.S., Canada, uh, NATO, and you know most of Europe, et cetera, 
in order to level the playing field so we all have equally less in a socialist environment. Uh, You'll own nothing and you'll be happy with it. It's part of that agenda. Um, So we're increasingly going to be dependent on other countries for the raw minerals, the mining, etc. China is by far the largest producer of solar panels in the world. Uh, We're barely, uh, if not at all, competitive in that industry right now. Um, in terms of price points and production volumes, et cetera. So shifting to solar uh, is, you know, clearly benefits China more than it does the U.S. right now. Um, we have less control over that market where we have a lot of control over our domestic oil and gas and coal and other energy resources that have been increasingly shut down by the administration. So it, it very much seems like directly in line with their bigger Build Back Better agenda and their idea of Build Back Better is directly in line with uh, the Davos summit, which is really where um, that whole phrase came from. Well, and how I think within the last week or so, uh, Biden came out and restricted even more uh, oil and gas drilling on some of our, our public lands. And in the face of all this, and you guys collect intelligence, you've got to think that the U.S. intelligence would know that this is going on. And for then him to come out and put forth that policy, it's almost like he wants he wants to get us into a, a, this very difficult situation. So, Hal, I'm going to ask you this question first, because I get this from people all the time. When we look at what is actually happening and the policies and how it hurts Amer- Americans, and now it looks like it's going to hurt Western Europeans, the question is why? Hal, do you have an answer to why? I don't have the perfect answer to why, and I have to be careful when I get into um, any time we're talking about what we do in terms of intelligence gathering. We have to take our personal political opinions and our take that hat off and put our neutral analyst hat on. So going back to your comment, do I, other than the broad strokes that I just outlined, do we have any evidence that we've gathered? And first of all, the one area that we don't investigate or look into at all is the inner workings of the U.S. government. We don't touch that. Um, we don't want to have, um, end up being charged with espionage someday or something. So we do not focus on the government at all. So, I mean, do we have any evidence at all from other sources that that would prove that uh, that this is part of the agenda and this is part of their thinking? I haven't seen that um, on the ground anywhere, um, and I'm not privy to what the intelligence community is telling the Biden administration but what I can say, and what we do know about the U.S. intelligence communities because of things that we've worked on at the same time they're working on, and a really good example would be the initial COVID outbreak where we were on that weeks before anybody in North America knew about it, and the, the intelligence community still hasn't figured out what happened. You know, we knew what happened in, Mar- in February of, uh, of the year that it started. We had concluded our report. Um, but the, you know, and so what we hear from people in that community is, uh, we're able to move a lot faster because we do not have the silos, we do not have the bureaucracy, and increasingly we do not have the the politification and the woke the wokeification of the upper stratosphere of the of the uh, agencies that that filter all of the reporting that the, and the good work that's being done by their junior analysts and agents, filtering through a bias system that uh, by the time it gets to the president probably tells him whatever he wants to hear. Fascinating, fascinating. Okay, let's button this segment up because I want to ask you about China. Uh, but William, uh, let's go to you. Anything else to button up about what's happening in Ukraine right now? Sure. Well, I can say this, that uh, what's happening in Ukraine right now uh, perfectly fits the models that we laid out 
weeks in advance. Um, I think that one of the things that's been valuable uh, for the public is to see throughout this entire uh, circumstance which sources were blatantly uh, out there saying, oh, this is not going to happen, this is not going to happen, Russia's not going to Ukraine. Uh, and you can see their, their inherent bias there, and you can see who is a legitimate source of information and who is not. Because to us, this was blatantly obvious that this was going to happen. And so far, it's played out exactly as we thought it would. Uh, but I would say check your sources uh, and uh, make sure that those that the ones that you're believing and the people that you're following are the ones who uh, were right on this because that tells you that they're doing some pretty good research. That's a pretty good intelligence gathering as opposed to just falling for their bias. Okay, and that website again is is Knightsbridge LTD, is that right? Or Knightsbridge? Knights yes, okay. Knightsbridge.ltd is our website, and you, you, anyone can go on there, fill out a contact form, and we'll be in touch with them. Yeah, and okay, I, want to, now, I want to follow up just on that for a minute. If, if you're a okay. journalist and you um, promote uh, pro, pro-American, pro pro-individual um, freedom, limited government um, ideals, uh, we, you can go to that f- website and use the contact form, and we'll sign you up for a free newswire that we cover um, with journalists um, regarding this. And that's, and that's how we ended up talking to you today, um, that we provide um, for free if you're a journalist that meet those criteria. And we keep you up to date on things that are going in those five domains that we discussed, including the domestic violence in the global areas um, on, a, on a constant basis. And then also, um, starting uh, very soon, we'll be offering a for-fee version of that for anybody who wants to sign up as an individual and get access to that. It's going to be $9 a month. And uh, if you want to, it's not up and running yet. Uh, It will be within the next couple of weeks. But if you want to get a jump on getting uh, involved in that newswire for yourself, you can fill out that contact form and we'll come back to you. And when when we launch it, we'll let you know and tell you how to sign up. Hal Van Herkey, that is so exciting. And we're going to go to break. In studio is Hal Van Herkey, owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool, and also with Knightsbridge Research. Uh, and that uh, website is knightsbridge.ltd, and also the chief information officer with Knightsbridge, and that is William Travis. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, China. We'll, so stay tuned. With the federal government printing money, it looks like inflation is on the horizon. That is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage. Lauren Levy with Polygon Financial Group is here to help. Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3 here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our, our website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at Kim Munson.com as well. 
And uh, on the line with me is William Travis. He is the Chief Information Officer with uh, Kings, uh, excuse me, Knightsbridge Limited. And then in studio is Hal Van Herkey. And uh, they are an, an intelligence gathering firm. Is, is that correct in, in yeah, the description, Hal? A private intelligence contractor. Yep, that's okay. right. Okay, so Hal, uh, Rachel Scully in The Hill reported um, that Beijing said Taiwan is not Ukraine and has always been part of China. And I guess Taiwan has ramped up their vigilance on military activities in response to this crisis in Ukraine. But we're seeing the narrative of Putin say that Ukraine is part of, of Russia. And then China is saying that Taiwan is part of China. That looks very concerning to me, Hal Van Herkey. Yeah, I think that, you know, that there's a, I think you can draw a direct parallel there in terms of the both of the of the giants have always thought that those were breakaway republics um, that that managed to escape their um, their revolutions when they turned those continents into uh, into uh, Marxism and communism um, and you know slaughtered millions of people. So that's one thing I'm pretty you know not, I'm not I'm not a big um, fan of communism. So, you know, Taiwan is the last place where everybody fled and their military leadership fled to survive that. And they managed to gather enough forces to defend the island and protect themselves and not be overrun and slaughtered. And so that's how you got Taiwan. But um, China has always considered that to be part of their country and just unfinished business. Uh, Putin's always had a bee in his bonnet about um, having lost some elements of the Soviet um, empire um, when the, when the wall came down, probably the two largest areas he's always romanced about um, in terms of regathering was the was the Belarus and Ukraine, and then unfortunately for three more countries the uh, the uh, Baltic states. So um, we'll have to watch for that down the road. But I, I do think there's a direct parallel, but I don't think that necessarily means that there's direct action. Um, and and, our, and I'll turn it over to. William, uh, if you want to talk a little bit more, but we have a pretty strong opinion about the timing or not timing of anything kinetic going on in Taiwan. And uh, I just wanted to clarify, I don't usually like to correct people, but I want to give William credit. William's our chief intelligence officer, um, not our chief information officer. We actually have a chief technology (laughs) officer that's not on with us right now, but um, that's why why William knows so much about this, because he runs all of our information gathering um, on that side of what we do. So, yeah. Well, I I appreciate (laughs) that clarification. We like to get that right. And and it's clear he's very intelligent, so he is the chief intelligence officer. Sorry about that, William. We like to get that right. Um, You know what? So with that... It's okay, because... Chief Intelligence Officer and Chief Information Officer is is both CIO, so that happens more often than you would think. <laughs> so okay. no worries. Okay, so with that, what's what's the intelligence telling you about China and Taiwan? So we have a longer term mindset when it comes to China and Taiwan, uh, and, and let me start with this: it, Will there be a day eventually where China uh, attempts to? militarily take back Taiwan? I think the answer to that is a resounding yes. That That is extraordinarily likely to happen at some point in time. Now, one of the things that we look at when we're gathering intelligence is we look far beyond the rhetoric, far beyond the rhetoric coming out of China, just like we did the rhetoric 
coming out of Russia before Ukraine. And we look at logistics, and we look at the on-ground support systems, and we look at moves that indicate that there is action forthcoming. This is why we were able to call Ukraine uh, before anyone else. Uh, as far as China and Taiwan, though, China's not making those moves right now. Rhetoric? Yes, absolutely. Are they uh, invading Taiwan's uh, aerial defense identification zones on a regular basis with overflights? Yes, they've been doing that for many years now. Uh, and actually, sometimes it's more planes, sometimes it's less planes. There's nothing new there. Uh, other than maybe they're doing some basic intelligence gathering, which everyone does. What we're seeing is that China will eventually go in, but they have no preparations of any kind at this moment in time that show that it's, any, that it's imminent in any way. And there's a, lot of, there's a lot of breathless articles out there and think pieces and opinion pieces about China's going to take Taiwan while the world's distracted with Ukraine. And, and I kind of wish that China would because they would lose the first day. They would, very few ships would get across the strait. Um, and it would be a huge blow to China. And they know that, which is why they're absolutely not taking action anytime soon. Now, there's a posture change coming towards Taiwan. Um, quite a few members of the People's Congress in China, which meet this fall, you know, they, they don't meet all the time like, like our Congress does. When they meet this fall, they've already signaled that there's a significant posture shift coming uh, in dealing with Taiwan. So after those meetings, it could be that we start to see a ramp up uh, on the Chinese side. You know, they've got the Southern Military District and the Eastern Military District uh, facing Taiwan, and our assumption is that it would probably be the Eastern Military District that would take over uh, the command of the invasion. But they are not in any way ready logistically uh, for any kind of actual invasion of Taiwan, uh, certainly not this year. 2025, maybe, but none. Okay, we've got just a couple of minutes left. So, William, I'm going to go to you first. You've got about a minute to button up and let people know kind of what's the takeaway you want people to have uh, today. Sure. I mean, today we live in an era of rampant misinformation and disinformation. Much of it is not malicious, but much of it is. And we see this coming through uh, in all areas. We see bad information. Uh, coming through and what we do is we take information and we refine it and we vet it into something better. We vet it into intelligence and so that is verified, it is valid and we use a lot of different methods and a lot of different tools to gather that information and then we professionally disseminate that. So I would say that uh, if that is not your process right now, uh, any for any of your listeners that needs to be the process and if you would like some uh, an intelligent look at the world, then we can help with that. Oh, I think this is so exciting. <clears throat> Hal Van Herky, I, I think people are probably on the edge of their seat to sign up for this. Uh, and you've got a minute. How do you want to button all this up? No, I just want to thank you for having us on. It turned out to be timely. Um, this is an organization, a business that we have kept pretty quiet over the last several years. But we appreciate the opportunity to talk today. It's timely. And like you mentioned earlier, if people want to reach out to us uh, either for their business or their, their journalistic efforts or even as an individual, there's just one contact form on that very simple website uh, that they can go to at nightsbridge.ltd. It's not a .com. It's a .ltd. Fill out that form. Tell us why you're contacting us, and we'll get back to you. 
uh, very exciting and trusted sources. <clears throat> That's what we try to do on this show is to, to look at these issues and find truth and clarity. Uh, and we look at these issues through this lens of freedom versus force, force versus freedom. But we're all so busy. We have to have trusted sources. And I am so excited about that's Knightsbridge. Uh, that's K-N-I-G-H-T-S-B-R-I-D-G-E dot L-T-D. Correct, Hal? I got that's that right. right. Just like the neighborhood in London where Harrods is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that's Knightsbridge dot L-T-D. William, thanks for being here. Thank you so much. And Hal, thanks so much for being in studio. Thank you. And our quote for the end of the show is Leo Tolstoy. And he said, wrong does not cease to be wrong because the majority share in it. Wow. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, justice, and the American way. My friends, you are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. I don't want no one to cry.